We are so honored that you chose to join us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. It is our desire that you will be encouraged and challenged in your walk with Jesus. Be blessed as you join us for this week's message. Well, good morning, Hope Church. It's so good to be with you on this spring. Is it spring yet? I don't know. You know, we have a little bit of uh, spring dyslexia here or something in Montana. I never know if it's spring yet or not because winter just wants to keep its ugly hold on us here. But I say we're breaking through in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? Uh, but I am uh, so happy. We are in the last Sunday. Some of you are like, man, I'm tired of seeing that video. Well, good news for you. That's the last time you're going to have to see it uh, because today is the final day of our message series called Addicted to Love. And um, I hope you missed me as much as I missed you. I feel, I feel, it feels weird. I feel like I haven't preached in a long time to you. And uh, I miss you when I don't get to speak to you. And so I'm excited to bring you this message today. Uh, one thing I want to let you know, I let you know last week, but I want to reiterate that uh, we kind of saved this final message in the message series uh, called Addicted to Love. Kind of, uh, it's going to be a little spicy, all right? We're going to address some topics, uh, I believe, that are love killers. And so we're going to talk about some things, uh, love, sex, and things like that. So uh, we have provision for you. I, I personally think that this is actually one of the best messages to have your um, kids, your teenagers, you know, 13 and above or whatever, in service with you. I think they're great discussion starters. I, I personally think that we need to talk about some of this stuff in the church more because here's the harsh reality. Whether you want your kids to hear it from me and from the Word of God or do you want to them to hear it from their friends at school? Do you want them to hear it from TikTok? Do you want them to hear it from movies they're watching and social media? Because I can guarantee you this, they're getting taught the world's ways about love and sex. And so I believe firmly that as a local pastor, unless we start having conversations about these important topics and teaching what the Word of God says about them, then uh, we are in danger of losing a generation that is going to get addicted to this brand of love that the world is trying to put on them and teach them. So, but if you do not feel comfortable, or if you have kids in junior high and you think, you know what, this is too much for me, I respect that. We have something for you. One of our youth directors, Miss Taylor Danick, is over here to my right, to your left. And uh, we have a special time planned for some junior high kids, or if you have high school kids where you're just like, yeah, I don't want them in the service. That's fine. We, we have a provision for you. So she's there. She's going to lead them out to classroom where we have a, a special time planned for them. So if you want to participate in that, now's your time. If not, buckle up because here we go. All right. Um, I really, um, I just want to, before I start preaching this morning, and I'm pretty fired up to preach to you. Uh, I've got about five weeks pent up in me. So I hope, I hope you're ready. But um, I just want to give a shout out to those who, um, volunteered for our advanced conference in particular a couple of people uh, i just want to point out marla miss marla shealy she's our advanced coordinator planner she did such an amazing job uh ron johnson uh nona mitchell um lori radabaugh um there there's so many of you that serve so faithfully and i'm just highlighting a few our whole our worship band uh those poor guys man they, they led worship uh, several times, blessing pastors from all over Montana. And so, also, I just want to say thank you to you, because when you gave just a minute ago, you helped support us to be able to be a blessing to pastors, to encourage them and equip them, and that happened. That happened, and it was amazing. 
amazing time, so thank you. And uh, I'm just blessed that I get to lead a church that can be a blessing to other churches and other pastors all over the state. Amen? Amen. All right. How many of you are ready for the Word this morning? I love the Word of God, and I love to study the Word of God. And I think more than anything, any other time in history, we are getting bombarded with so much information. This is the information age. It's the tech age. No time in history has information been more easily dispersed. Right at our fingertips. In fact, it was funny, in, in pre-service prayer this morning, uh, one of our elders, he's, he was like, uh, there's a scripture that goes with that song. Isn't, there, isn't that song based out of a scripture? And we're all trying to think of the psalm that, you know, it was associated with. And I'm just like, hey, job, just Google it, you know? And, and so, like, literally anything that we need to find out, you can just Google it. We have this thing called the World Wide Web. Thank you, Al Gore. Um, and all we have to do is put in uh, in the search bar what we want to know, and information comes up. But the question is, how do we know that that's true? <laughs> like, I know Michael Scott said you could believe everything that's on the Internet, but I don't know that that's true, right? There's a lot of gray areas, and today we're going to look at Scripture, and I believe uh, throughout this whole message series, we've told you, if you have questions about sex, marriage, love, any of it, text in those questions. So we kind of took some of those, and, and today, instead of just answering those questions, I'm going to let Scripture answer those questions for you. And then I'm going to uh, unpack what God is saying and the truth of God's Word through those Scriptures, because the Bible clears up everything. The Bible is the light of God's Word, and it's the light of God's truth. And my Bible says that it's the truth that sets us free. So we're going to let the Word of God set us free some myths and some lies and some gray areas that a lot of us have believed about love, marriage, and sex today. All right, I'm going to read to you out of Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. I'm reading to you out of the New International Version. You can read along with me or you can follow, up, follow along on the screen. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the God godlessness and wickedness of people, and this is important, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So in other words, when we choose to sin out of our own free will, that, that sin uh, becomes more easy to do the next time. And over time, as sin grows, we begin to suppress. In other words, the truth of God wants to manifest not just in his word, but in your life and in my life. We're not just supposed to know the Word of God. We're supposed to live the Word of God. We're supposed to walk out the truth of God's Word. And as we do that, we're supposed to proclaim the good news, the gospel of the truth of God by the way we live. So that other people can see our lives and say, there's something true about the way you live and do life. And when we don't live that way and when we choose to live in sin, we actually suppress the truth of God. And we allow darkness to not only enter our life, but enter the world. And so, now verse 19, since what may be known about God, see this is the truth about God, is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Now, I love this, this passage of Scripture right here, in particular this verse, because when people say, yeah, Pastor Lance, how do you know God is real? I'm like, bro, did you look at those mountains this morning? 
Have you seen creation? Do you have eyes to see? Do you have ears to hear? Have you studied biology? I mean, I don't know about you, but I think it takes a lot more faith to be an atheist than it does to believe in the God of all creation. I mean, we live in one of the most beautiful places on the earth. And we have Glacier Park as our backyard, y'all. Come on. And, and I don't know about you, but one of the things I love about going to Glacier National Park is you drive into that beautiful park, and inevitably you stop at Lake McDonald, and you look up and you see just this vast beauty. And it always hits me the first time I see it. It's like, oh, wow, God, you're amazing. You are just, you constantly blow me away with your creation. You're beautiful. God, the other night, it was, it, there was a few clouds, but I could see the stars, and it was a full moon. And I was tired, and I want to go to bed. But before I went into the house, I just took a moment, and I stepped outside, and I took in the beauty of the heavens. And I looked at the stars, and I'm actually looking at, uh, you know, other planets and, and balls of fire suspended in the universe somewhere. And this moon reflecting the sun and the fact that the, the earth is is just far enough from the sun that we don't get burned up, but it's close enough that we can survive and live, that there's oxygen. And ac actually, even studying biology, if you look at how, as humans, we uh, breathe out carbon dioxide, which is poison, but God created plants and leaves to take in that poison and turn it into oxygen so we can continue to live. I mean, amazing. Creation is amazing. How in the world could anyone, anyone look at creation and think, oh, yeah, you know, there was an explosion and all this just happened. That is insanity. Seriously. All right, I'll get off my creation soapbox there for a minute. But I think it's significant because nobody is excused. Like, God is plainly seen in what he created, and there's beauty in it. There's love in it. All throughout creation, God is seen. And I love that. It draws me into him. Verse uh, 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile. Futile means foolish. It means uh, it, it has no meaning. It's meaningless. And when I think and look at our culture today, how many things do we spend our time in, invest our life in, invest money in that are meaningless at the end of the day? They have no meaning. They have no sig eternal significance. Do you know that you're here on purpose, for a purpose, that we live for something greater than ourselves, that we're here to live for eternity? Not just what's going to make me happy today. I know we're living in this culture. It's all about feelings and I want to feel good. But the reality is, is we are here to make an eternal difference. That's why it's one of the, our four pillars of our vision statement of this church. We're not just here to exist. We're not just here to feel good. We're not just here to get through the day. We're not just here to get through the week. We're here to experience and encounter the reality of the love of God and then let that love flow through us to the people around us. And to bring glory to God, not just from what he created, the beautiful nature, but he created you as a vessel, as a temple of his Holy Spirit so that other people look at you and your life and say, wow, I want to know God because I see God in you. I don't have to go to church. You are the church. You bring Jesus with you. You bring hope with you wherever you go. 
That's the reality. And so he says, continues, Paul, I love Paul. He's laying down some, some thick theology here. And uh, I lost my place. And I'm doing one of those preacher things. I'm buying time by just talking, you know. So, and he goes on. I don't know what verse we're on, but they do. They'll put it up for you. 22, thank you. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. I think it's interesting that Paul uses the picture of an image. When I think about the things that, that we worship today, we don't think like we bow down to other gods, but we worship ideas. We worship pictures. Come on, we go on social media and, and we envy and we compare and we worship oftentimes what we don't have, what we'd like to have, and it creates this lust for more, and it creates this lust and desire for the world, and I believe it distorts our desires and twists them. And I also think it's interesting that he uses the word image because um, often, you know, if we're going to be honest with each other, one of the things that will kill love is lust. And for many of us, what is killing us is pornography, is looking at images, and those images are getting burned in our brains, and we don't even realize it, but those images are creating neural pathways in our mind, and they are distorting the very image of how God created you and God created me, and distorting uh, true love and what real love is and what real love looks like. You're looking at a fantasy, at a, at a farce. You're looking at smoke and mirrors. You're looking at probably one of the greatest deceptions Satan ever conceived to pull people away from true love and to lead them down this path of darkness into this world of lust that is destruction. You know, I remember um, one time listening to James Dobson interview um, Charles Manson. And, and here's this man um, who... I believe, had a call on his life. And actually, if you listen to the testimony uh, of, of his life and how he got to be so twisted and in such a dark place, uh, it was little by little, step by step. And a lot of it had to do with just looking at pornographic images that led to harder and harder images and led into getting violent and led to murdering people. And so there's a progression to it that is very dangerous. And the world don't tell you that. It's just all fun and games until you're stuck, until you're trapped in this dark place that you can't get out of. And so I think it's significant that Paul uses that word images because what happens is we start bowing down and worshiping these images instead of the creator of all things. And so he goes on to say this. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of a mortal God for images that look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity and to the degrading of their bodies with one another. You know that God will not force himself upon you. He gives you and I free will to choose. And at some point he says, if that's what you want, I'm going to allow you to, uh, he, I'm going to give you over to those things 
because God knows, and, and this is the harsh reality, those things, there's, a, there's a, a season of pleasure in sin, right? There just is. In the beginning, it's fun. But then it, you get entrapped and entangled in it, and you get into this dark place, and then you become a prisoner to it. And then it starts working you over with guilt, shame, and, and you feel God's presence draw away from you. And it starts ruining even your temperament and your relationships and everything around you. And so God lets you uh, go so you can experience the pain of that sin, the destruction of that sin, the darkness of that sin, so that the harsh reality of when we choose to willfully give ourselves to those sexual sins, that now the enemy has us trapped and that we realize our great need for God and his grace and his mercy. And therefore God gave them over to their sexual sins of their heart, sexual impurity, degrading their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to their shameful lusts, even their women. And now we're living in this culture where homosexuality is, is celebrated. It is becoming more and more acceptable. And even some in the church are bending to culture and, and bending to the ways of the world and, and saying against, contrary to the Bible. And I know a lot of people say, is that really, does, does God forbid homosexuality? Is that really in the Bible? The question, it's right here. It's right here. You either believe the Bible or you don't. There's no in-between. There's no gray areas. It's either the infallible word of God or it's not. And if it is, here's what it says. God gave them over to their shameful lust. Even women exchanged natural. Key word, natural. God created you for a reason. You were born a man or a female, a woman, on purpose for a purpose. Creation testifies to who you are. Your identity is found in how you are made. I, don't, I know we have surgeries and we can reverse biology. Ooh, it's quiet in here this morning. I know I'm going to get some heat for this, but I got to preach the truth of God's word. It's right here. It's plain. We can't allow the enemy or the world to twist the truth of God's word. And he goes on to say, um, they... I'm sorry, in the same way men abandon their natural relations, keyword natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received themselves the due penalty for their error. Let me just pause right there a second because as Christians oftentimes, I think um, we get hung up on, on the sin of homosexuality. Can I just say that? Uh, we will talk about how terrible that is. We will bash people. We will make known how against it we are. And yet we've got our own sexual sin right in the middle of the church that we're not addressing. I don't know that this sin is any worse than any other sin, but it is sin. And we need to call it what it is. However, God loves people. All people. All people. Yellow, red, white, brown, homosexual, bisexual, transgender, you name it. God loves all people. He cares about the person. He sent his son Jesus to die for all people so that whosoever 
shall call on his name shall be saved. And who are we to judge people outside of these walls when we have our own sin that we need to judge inside the church? And so I don't want to ever lead a church that somebody that isn't struggling with homosexuality or any of it can walk through these walls and feel the love and acceptance that Jesus would give them. And we as the church, I'm telling you, church, we've got to change our ways because we are dispelling people. We are pushing people away because of our approach to this. We cannot be, you cannot be homophobic. I'm sorry, that's not the heart of God. It is not. There's nothing wrong with them. You know what's wrong with them? Sin. You know what's wrong with me? Sin. You know what's wrong with you? Sin. Sin distorts everything that God created good. And he can redeem anything back. So we need to have a heart. We, I, I want to challenge you to open up your heart to this because unless we do, and furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind. And see, this is what happens. As you continually give yourself over to this, your mind starts to change. Your thinking gets darkened and, and your, your, your thinking gets foolish. And you don't even know anymore what's true and what's, what's not. And they have become filled with every kind of wickedness and greed and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. And you look at our world today, and this is increasing. This is increasing. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways for doing evil, and they disobey their parents. My kids get, get that one. And they, they have no understanding no fidelity, and here's, here's the key, no love. Because when you buy into and become addicted to the world's brand of love, which is really closer to lust, we don't really have the true love, the love of God. And we don't know how to do this thing called relationship because we've bought into and have become addicted to this idea of love that isn't love at all. And if we're going to encounter and experience the real love of God, we're going to encounter it from God himself and from his word and to receive that love and to allow that love to flow through us. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the truth of your word. And God, I pray that your word would go down deep within us. God, that we would hide your word in our soul, in our spirit, that we would not sin against you. God, I pray that the truth of your word today would open our eyes to see clearly, open our ears to hear your still small voice. Father, I pray that we would put away the noise of the world, that we would be able to hone in to what you, Holy Spirit, are saying this morning. God, I pray today through your word that you would set us free. Set us free from the lies that we've believed, the lies that we are believing, and set us free into your truth this morning in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. So there, there's one portion of this scripture and Romans that I really want to hone in on this morning because I believe it's the key uh, to all of it. And, and that scripture is in, in starting with verse 15. If you guys can put that up for me, I'm just going to read it with you off the screen. And it says this. Um, all right, I'll read it off. My, you got it? Thank you. 
Yes, they knew God. Now, now, we can read scripture sometimes and think, oh, that's for other people. That's for people out there. That's not for me. Paul is actually talking to people that either once knew God or that claimed to know God. Although they knew God, right? So although they knew God, they wouldn't worship him as God or give thanks. Now, this is the original sin. This is going back to the garden with every lie that the enemy comes at us with, that, that he comes at you with the same lie. It's the same lie. He's a one-trick pony, y'all. He comes to, he said, did God really say? He questions the truth. That's why the title of this message is Fifty Shades of Grey. Now, now that's a little, don't Google that, by the way, all right? But there was a movie that came out years ago called Fifty Shades of Grey, and I won't get into the details about it, but it, it was, it was like light porn, pornographic, okay? And I actually had uh, a Christian uh, woman tell me, yeah, you should, you should go see that movie and take your wife. And I didn't know anything about it at the time. And I, I did a little, little research and found out about it. And I was like, what? Like, you think this is okay? And, and Christians were going to see it. Yeah, you know, it will spice up your love life and all this. And I'm like, no, something is wrong here. Like, how do, how do we get to the point where we think this is okay? And, and it's just like in our culture, I think we are becoming desensitized to the way the world treats love, sex, and marriage that we have gotten into these gray areas. It's not black, it's not white, it's not truth, it's not blatantly a lie, but it's gray areas. I don't know about you, but I don't like gray areas. Maybe it's me just getting older, but I don't like gray areas. In fact, I can't stand it. One of my pet peeves is when I can't figure out what you're really trying to say. You ever have that happen to you? Like somebody's saying, but there's something behind what they're saying and what they're saying isn't really what they mean, but they're trying to get to something. So it's kind of gray. It's fuzzy. It's not clear. And I hate when I have to try to read through the lines and, and make my way through the gray to get to the white. And uh, like you get a text, right? And you read it and you're like, what does that mean? Like, what are you trying to say through this? How many, how many don't like that? That's a pet peeve. You get a text and you're like, I have no idea what you just said. Can you please give it to me in plain English? Give me some clarity for the love of God. Now my kids love gray areas. My kids love gray areas because like, you know, Oh, you, dad, but you never really said I couldn't stay out up to 11 o'clock. Like you just said, go to bed at a good time. Gray area. They love gray area. You didn't really say I couldn't play Xbox till three in the morning. You just said, you know, go to bed at a good time. So they love gray areas. Now lawyers love gray areas because they're looking for a loophole legally to find something. If it's not written in black and white and it's not clearly defined, they're gonna hone in on it and they're gonna use it to their advantage. The devil thrives in gray areas. But the word of God is like a light. It is like a lamp to your feet. It is the truth. It, and and it's, the Bible says that it will set you free. But it says in verse 21, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. What does that mean? That we can know God and say we have a relationship with him. But do you know that true worship isn't just what we did a little while ago, raising our hands, clapping, singing songs. True worship is bowing down to the truth of what God says, is surrendering to God's word as my highest authority. He's my God, I'm not. Remember, back to that original sin. It's the same sin. 
Did God really say that you shall not eat of the tree of the fruit of good of knowledge? Because he knows that if you do, you will what? You'll become like him, knowing good and evil. In other words, you, you can be your own God. And this is exactly what we're doing in this day and age. We're becoming our own God saying, you know, well, Pastor Lance, that's your truth. That's your reality. But here's my reality. Here's my, in other words, saying, you know, I'm going to be my own God. I'm going to rewrite the Bible and say what I think about it. Here's my interpretation of what Paul is saying here. Did he really say that you couldn't be homosexual? And, and this is happening all over, even in some churches. And it's distorting the truth of God. And it says, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Oh, you know, you know, I, my God, I just see him like a little baby, you know, and he's just so sweet and cute. And, you know, my, my God, he's like Leonard Skinner on the front row, you know, rocking out. And we just have these ideas of God. He's, God is so gracious. It's okay. He, he loves me. So, you know what? I think he understands how I feel. So I can live the way I'm living and God still loves me and he understands and there's grace. And yes, there's grace, but God forbid that we continue to trample on the blood of the son of man who gave his life for you and for me. And it becomes cheap, sloppy grace. God help us. God help us. And here's the result. Their minds became dark and what? Confused. Look at our culture today. There's so much confusion. Gender identity confusion. Identity confusion. I, I mean, it's crazy. I don't even know what LGBT, I'm confused. Like, what is all, what are these letters? What, I, I don't, there's like transgender, there's all these different things. There's so much confusion. Even my kids in junior high and high school, they're, you know, they tell me they're coming up like this person said they're bisexual or they're, they're, um, I don't what there's a word for no sexual asexual like I'm like what is that I don't even know what that is like how is that possible look at the way you're created and there's so much confusion and darkness that is coming over our culture and society and and it, it says in verse 22 that they even though they claim to be wise they instead become utter fools instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worship idols to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So what are these lies that we believe? I believe they, that there's this exchange that Paul talks about that happens, that they exchange the truth of God for lies. So what are some of these lies? The first one I believe, I'm going to start with a good one, is that this, that sex is dirty. Sex is dirty. Now for many of us, even in the church, you could grow up in the church in, in a Christian home and because your parents want to protect you and because they, they want to uh, keep you from the harm of getting you know, involved in sexual immorality, you, you could be taught sex is dirty. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't even think about it. Sex is dirty. And what happens is, is it, it actually twists your mind. Can I, can I free you, give you some truth on this this morning? Sex is not dirty. Amen. That's one of the greatest lies of the enemy that he wants. Sex is beautiful in its rightful place, in its rightful context, in the context that God meant it, created it, intended it to be, in the context between one man and one woman, in the covenant relationship of marriage. Why? Because even though sex is beautiful, sex can be dangerous outside of the context for which God created it. Think about how much damage sex does 
when it's outside of that context. It is the greatest love and relationship killer ever in the history of the world. And if there's one thing that will kill the love of God is this thing called lust. Sex is not dirty. Do you, God gave you sexual desire. God created you that way. That's not dirty. So let me free some of you up this morning just because you have a sex drive, just because sometimes, you know, you get aroused and you have thoughts. That doesn't make you dirty. That is not dirty. You need a proper outlet for it that God created in the context of marriage. But what happens oftentimes is um, because men or women think that sex is dirty, they have a hard time like enjoying sex within the context of marriage. And so they don't engage in it. And what happens is one spouse or another, they're going to find an outlet for it. Oftentimes because it's not happening in the context of marriage in the beautiful way that God created. Now, now you don't think that God loves sex. Think about this. His very first commandment in the Bible was go have sex. Don't believe me? Read it. Be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> that was his first, very first command. Man, I like a God that says that. We think God is withholding from us. He doesn't want us to enjoy sex. But he said, my first commandment is go and have sex with your wife. That's a good thing. You don't believe me? Look at Proverbs 5, 18. He says this, let your wife be a fountain, a blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Now for you hunters out there, you, you know, like, <laughs> come on. There's this thing in hunting season called the rut. And, you know, the rut is mating season. And that's when, you know, these bucks, big bucks, they smart. They hide out. I never see. That's why you never see them. You notice how you always see does on the side of the road, dead, but you rarely see a big old buck. Why? Because they smart. But you know what? During the rut, when it's time to mate, they get all stupid. Like, where's she at? Where's she at? Where's she at? And they come out in the open and boom, you on my wall, buddy. She's a loving deer, graceful doe. Listen to this. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. You don't think God loves sex? He encourages it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And here's the thing. The devil has perverted what God created to be beautiful. Look at the definition of pervert. And oftentimes we think of, per of per somebody, you know, peeping top, whatever. This is the definition of pervert. To alter something from its original course, meaning, or state to a distortion or corruption of what was first intended. God intended uh, sex to be beautiful. in the, con the, the most beautiful gift that God gave you and me for our pleasure and enjoyment in the context of one man, one woman, in a covenant relationship called marriage. Second thing is this, second lie that I believe is, it's no big deal. It's just a physical act, Pastor Lance. It doesn't really have any significance. Yeah, you know, I did it, but, but I, I don't love that person. I just did it for, for fun. It was just fun. Come on, look at 1 Corinthians 6.15. It says, do you not realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? That you are a holy temple. Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And by the way, I think a prostitute not only could be somebody physical, but it could be an image on a screen you're watching. 
that you're joining yourself to. That word join in the Greek is, is like a word like glue. It means your soul sticks to that thing and that thing sticks to you. In other words, it isn't just a physical act. It actually gets in you and corrupts you and changes the way you think, changes the way you live, changes the way you see people, see women, see men, and see the world. It corrupts you. You ever get a virus on your computer? I hate those things. They're nasty. They get inside and they corrupt your hardware. In other words, the way that the computer was meant to run, it gets corrupted even the way it processes it slows down your computer. And every time, like there was one time I had a virus or something, I'm I'd try to go to this website and it would redirect me to another one. It reminds me of when Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Who can save me from this death, this sin that is in me? Thanks be to God for the person of Jesus Christ. We have been corrupted by sin. And we've got to get a hold of this. Don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scriptures say that two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And then he goes on to say this, run, Forrest. <laughs> like, run from this. Like, don't play around with it. I love there's a proverb that says, can a man scoop fire into his lap and not get burned? And too many of us are dabbling with sin. We're dabbling in the gray areas, thinking, well, I don't know if this is really sin. You know, this is okay. Uh, my buddy is doing it. Think people are doing it. They seem okay. Can you scoop fire into your lap? No, and not get burned. Run. Don't play around with it. Man, if you're stuck in it today, if you're dabbling in it, if you're creeping into the gray area, getting closer and closer into the darkness, run from sexual sin. Uh, Joseph, he didn't hang around and flirt like Samson did. He ran. He knew better. So you have to understand, in humility, you're not as strong as you think you are. All of us are, we heard amazing message last week from Tim and Marty, and I love the fact that Tim could stand up here and he could admit to us, I didn't know what I was capable of. Can I tell you something? I don't know what I'm capable of. You don't know. All of us are vulnerable to sexual sin. So Paul says, run from it. Don't play around with it. Don't dance around it. Run. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. Come on. Jesus' very life. So you must honor God with your body. All right, the next one. Next lie that we believe, that it's an isolated event. So come on, the world tries to tell us what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, can I tell you the harsh reality? It don't stay in Vegas. It stays lodged right here and right here. And you can run, you can hide, but that thing is with you. It's like Peter's shadow. It is following you wherever you go. And it's in the back of my mind. And so what do we try to do? We try to compartmentalize it. And we try to stuff it into the deep, dark corners of our soul and try to forget all about it. But that thing keeps creeping up and reaping condemnation and shame and guilt on you. And we got to get free of it. Here's the next lie that I believe. 
a lot of us buy into, and that is, if we love each other, can it be wrong? I love him, Pastor Lance. It's okay. Isn't God a God of love? Or, you know, I'm in a homosexual relationship, but we love each other. So how can that be wrong? And let me tell you, this all goes back to, you have to wrestle with, is God's word really true or is it not? And can I tell you something? God doesn't give his commands to us to keep us hogtied and miserable. That is also one of the greatest deceptions and lies of the enemy, that God is withholding from you something good. Let me tell you, if you believe God created you, then God knows you, he knows your soul, he knows what is best for you, he knows what's gonna make you happy, he knows what is gonna make you free, and he knows that all these things are gonna weigh you down bring shame, bring guilt on you, mess with your soul, darken your soul, and keep you from the very love and light of God and keep you in a place of bondage. So yeah, we love each other, but what brand of love are we loving each other with? See, the world's brand is more like lower levels of love, eros. You know, there's three types of love, actually four that the Bible talks about. The lowest level is eros. That's where we get the word erotic from. That's a physical, attractive love. And that's real. That, that needs, there, there's, a, there's a very reality in marriage that needs to be present. But then there's phileo love, which is a bond. It's, it's like a soul-to-soul, brotherly love. That's where the word Philadelphia comes from. It's where I have a, I have a connection to you, soul-to-soul. And that's good too. But God wants us to love with the highest form of love. His love is agape love. Agape love says, I am committed to you no matter what. That's why God says sex is only for in this commitment, in this type of love. Agape love, because in that kind of love, you are committed to me through death do us part, sickness and health, money, no money, no matter what it is, honey, I love you. I am committed to you. And because of that, we can love each other and be committed to each other and enjoy this beautiful gift. So real quick, as we wrap up, how do, how do we break free? For those of us who have bought into the lies and we become addicted, not only to the brand of love that the world offers, but we become addicted to sexual sin. I could tell you even for me personally, growing up in a broken home, you know, there's two ways that sexual sin can come into our life. One is where through temptation, we open the door of our soul and we bite that apple. We take that step. And when we open that door, we allow the enemy access into our soul. And it begins to darken our soul and corrupt the way we think and feel. And as we get into those gray areas and we buy into them, they get darker and darker and darker. That's when we open the door. But I also realize often like myself, there's other ways that the enemy can have access into our life. And that is through wounding and trauma. This is when we didn't open the door, somebody kicked it in. Somebody invaded our personal space. And I know this is a, this is a problem. As a pastor, it just breaks my heart that there's so many people that when you were young and when you should have been protected, somebody kicked that door in and invaded your sexual life. 
and hurt you and wounded you. And through kicking that door in, not only did, did the, your enemy come in, but your spiritual enemy came in with it and corrupted even your desires and messed us up. Now, this topic, it's loaded, man. There's so much. I, I could sit up and preach for hours on this. And so I just, I just want you to know, especially for men, because I believe this is, this is one of our biggest challenges as men. It is truly every man's battle. And man, we got to be, start being honest with each other. Because of my wounding as a young man and my hurt, man, I found pornography and all of a sudden that became like a calming balm to me. It became a way for me to escape the pain that I was feeling and ease the pain. But what happens is you, you start to get used to that and, and it could become an addiction to where you turn to pornography or you turn to sex to ease the pain of what's going on in your soul when God never meant for that to be an ease for your pain. He's the answer. He's the solution. His love is always the answer. So how do we break free from this? Number one, make a commitment to know and to obey the truth of God's word. Come on, my Bible says, know the truth and the truth will set you free. Too many of us are bound by the lies of this world, even the lies the enemy has told you. There's some of you in this room, some of you watching online, we've bought into the lies of who we are. We've associated ourselves. When I said that word pervert, some of you, the enemy just jumped on it and said, yeah, that's you. You're pervert, you're gross, you're disgusting. How can you even be sitting in church? How can you call yourself a Christian? And if you read the word of God, you'll hear the heart of God that you're God's son, you're God's daughter. He doesn't see you that way. He sees you as beautiful. He sees you as clean. Why? Because of what his son Jesus did on the cross. He took on all our perversion. He took on all our dirt, all our shame, all our guilt, all our sin, and nailed it to a cross. And he buried it in the grave. And he rose again victorious to say for you and for me, we can live victorious. We don't have to stay stuck in the dead filth of our sin and shame and guilt. Turn to the truth of God's word. Number two, take captive every thought before they take you captive. See, it all begins, the battle begins in the mind. It actually starts with our eyes. I love that Job said, Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look upon a woman lustfully. You know, women are beautiful and we can say, thank you God for your beauty, but we don't have to let our eyes dwell and we don't have to begin to lust. See, it goes from seeing something to dwelling on it in the mind. And that's where you got to catch it right there. You cannot afford to allow those thoughts to ruminate in your mind because they start to hang out. And after they hang out, they start to go down from our head to our soul. And desire starts to, to build up. Lust generates through our thoughts. You got to take every thought captive before those thoughts take you captive and lead you somewhere you don't want to go, into someone you don't want to be. And for some of us, over the next 30, 45 days, I want to challenge you to start training your mind to think differently. Catch those thoughts, take them captive, and make them obedient to the Word of God. Begin. I'm telling you, there's power in Scripture. Memorize Scripture. 
Find a scripture, memorize it. And every time those thoughts come, you say that scripture and you declare over yourself, that is not me. I'm not gonna fall into that trap. Satan, I'm not taking your bait. I'm a man of God. I am righteous. I am a warrior. Better, greater in me than he that is in the world. I am more than a conqueror through Christ. Look at this, Romans 8, 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. They ruminate on them. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit about the things that please the Spirit, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. The third thing is this, and this is my last point. We need to stop playing defense and get on the offense. What do you mean by that, Pastor Lance? Here's what I mean by it. I Don't get me wrong. Hear my heart this morning. I think it's good that we put things on our phone to protect us. We need to defend the attacks that are coming at us. But I think for, for most of us, if we're going to be honest with each other, we spend way too much time trying not to sin than being on the offense, which is that God has called you to advance his kingdom. He's called you to be a protector of women, not somebody who exploits women. Do you know in football, if you look at the time on field, there's two, two parts to a football team, the offense and the defense. If you look at almost every time a football team wins, it's because their offense has stayed on the field more than their defense. I think for too many of us, we're trying not to sin way too much and God didn't wire you to not sin. God wired you to have dominion and to rule and reign over everything that he created. And as a man in particular, I want to tell you that we were created to advance the kingdom. You are a warrior. You're not a wimp. You're not somebody who just gets beat up and kicked in the teeth by the devil time and time again and gives in to sexual sin. You're not a pervert. You're a prince. Kings and queens, you've got a kingdom to advance. You've got a purpose that God put you here for to advance his kingdom. Come on, David. God said, David is a man after my own heart, one of the greatest warriors of all time. You know how he got in trouble? He, he, he didn't go to war. He was made to be a warrior, just like you're made to be a warrior. Come on, I believe godly men, more than ever, we need to stand up to this sexual saturated culture that is trying to say, oh, it's just a man to, you know, watch porn and masturbate. That's just part of being a man. No, it's not. Being a part of a man is saying enough is enough and humbling ourselves before the Lord and saying, God, I am desperate without you. I cannot win this battle without the champion. Jesus Christ in my life, fighting my battles with me, beside me, for me, the Holy Spirit in me. It says in the spring of the year when kings normally, look at that word normally, go out to war. See, it's normal for you to be a warrior. It's normal for you to take ground from the enemy, not get captured by the enemy. It says, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city. However, David stayed behind. He hung out on that roof and he saw a beautiful woman trapped him in sexual sin. His greatest sin of his life. 
You and I don't have to stay there. Do you know, there's another meaning to 50 in the Bible. Every 50 years, God instituted this thing called the year of Jubilee. Every 50 years, every debt you owed, every debt you owed anybody was cleared off the slate. Slaves were set free. It, it was like a Holy Spirit reset, that everything that was owed was cleared off. Do you know that when Jesus from the cross before he died, when he said, it is finished, that word finished means the debt is paid. It's cleared. 50 years of Jubilee are now Every sin you've committed, every sexual sin, God can clear it right now in the name of Jesus. Do you know there's another 50 in the Bible? It's called the day of Pentecost. It was 50 days from when Jesus was resurrected from the grave and from when he ascended into heaven and when he sent the gift of the Holy Spirit. So not only through 50 does God clear the slate of our sin, our sexual brokenness, but he also fills us with his righteousness, with his grace, with his Holy Spirit to empower us to live a holy, righteous life before him. And to break the chains of sexual addiction and sin. Would you stand to your feet with me? Come on, we're closing. I just want to pray for you, man. I feel the Holy Spirit wants to set some people free. And he's looking for a few good men. And I'm telling you, guys, we even have, we've got our connect group signups today. Listen, you need people in your life. You cannot break this and you cannot live in purity on your own. You need other men and women to walk alongside you. That's why we have groups. That's why men, in a couple of weeks, we're having a men's night out and we're showing this amazing movie called The Heart of Man. And we're gonna have a little panel talking about the reality, even as pastors, how we have to, we have to fight for each other. We have to lock arms as men and stand up for each other and fight for each other, fight for our, our wives, fight for our children, fight for our destinies, fight for our families, fight for our children churches. Come on, is there anybody here that's willing to fight? You're a fighter. You're a warrior. You're the head. You're not the tail. So right now, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. When I feel like there's, as I was praying for you, there's some of you that you need to take a moment as we end our service. We have our prayer team up here, but our, our, our worship team's going to lead us in a final song. But this is your moment to repent to turn from the way that you were going out of those gray areas, out of the shadows, out of the darkness and bring it to light. You need to confess with your mouth to Jesus your sin. And then the Bible says in James that if we confess our sin, our faults to one another, we can be healed. You need both. And so right now I pray God, Holy Spirit, help us to humble ourselves. We confess to you that we have sinned we are broken and we need your healing power to touch us, to change us, to transform us. We need you to heal our marriages. We need you to heal the broken places in us, God, and to break the cycle of sin. Heal our minds, heal our souls, heal our bodies. We offer them to you as a sacrifice right now. And we ask that you forgive us in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message at Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support this ministry by going to hopechurchmt.com give. Also, follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Thanks again for watching and have a very blessed week.